0: Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be
1: streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you.
0: Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph but before they were living together she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit her husband Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace planned to divorce her quietly all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through by the lord through the prophet look the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son and they shall name him emmanuel which means god is with us when joseph awoke from sleep he did as the angel of the lord commanded him he took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thanks, Laura. Today we lit the candle of love. Uh, We lit the candle of love on the same day that we read this incredible scripture passage that an angel says to Joseph, this child will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And what a wonderful description of what love is to be with. You know, we believe some pretty wild things as Christians. Did you know that? I mean, we believe some pretty incredible things. We believe that God, God, maker of heavens and earth, God that we confessed earlier, we believe that God, this completely other transcendent God, has come to be with near beside with eminent is another big word we could use for that with us already it's happened already in the person of Jesus and while the reign of God has not yet fully been established Christmas is a reminder that we celebrate God is already with us that is pretty incredible and it's pretty wild stuff too It's pretty, have you ever wondered if all this stuff that we believe about God is true? Everything that we confess in the creed that God, maker of heaven and earth, is with us in Jesus Christ, God's son. If everything that we confess is true, and this God is so great and wonderful, and God has already come to be with us. 2,000 years ago, a guy named Jesus of Nazareth, then why is the world still so messed up today? Have you ever asked that question? You're allowed to ask that question. In fact, if you say that you haven't asked that question, you are probably lying, and this is church, (laughs) right? I can understand asking that question. Well, let me ask you a question. What makes God, God? What are the attributes, the characteristics that make God different than me or you? What is it about God? Have you ever heard the silly old question, can God make a rock so big that not even God can lift? It's a silly question, so don't spend too much time thinking about it. Please, don't spend too much time thinking about it. It's a really silly question that basically gets at the bigger question of what makes God God? Is it just the ability to do whatever God wants? Like, what is the list? So, go ahead, if you were to make out a list, what would the list be of all the things that God needs to be and do in order to be God? What would be on the list? So go ahead in your mind, you might even just see, maybe you're a person who makes the the note on your iPhone or you write lists on sticky notes like I do. My office is covered in sticky notes. Go ahead and just mentally make the list. What does God need to be or do in order to be God? Right? You've got your list? All right. Love. Love. Amen. We're making lists already. So go ahead and have your list in your mind. Joseph. Joseph knew who God was. Joseph was in the line of David. He was in this messianic line already. Joseph, scripture tells us, was a righteous man. He knew the law. And the law said that if a woman committed adultery, that a husband had every right to sign a certificate of divorce for her, to cut her loose and owe her nothing. But Joseph, Joseph was so righteous that not only was he going to follow the law and do what the law of the Lord said, but on top of that, he was going to be gracious about it. He was going to do it quietly and discreetly without causing her any further embarrassment. Joseph was righteous. He was a godly, good man who knew a thing or two about God and about God's law. And this situation with Mary, this was not what Joseph asked for or signed up for, to be the father of this child that's conceived in a way that nobody can quite understand and to be drawn into this whole messy situation. Joseph didn't ask for this. I wonder if after that meeting with the angel, if Joseph thought, oh, if God is so good, if God is so great, and God has all the lists of things that I think God should do, then couldn't God find another way to conceive this child that doesn't bring me humiliation? Do you wonder if Joseph ever asked a question like that? Joseph didn't ask to be a part of this. Why couldn't God bring salvation into the world in a way that doesn't mess up a life of a guy as good as Joseph? why does the coming of the messiah have to be so disorienting to such a righteous man i'm sure that jesus the messiah could have come some other way god would have found a way to make it work but doesn't it seem like god's plan would have become pretty difficult if joseph had said hey thanks for the offer to be the earthly father of the son of god but i think i could probably find a woman who doesn't come with so much baggage right God certainly could have found a way to still make that work. But Joseph, after all, is the one connected to the line of King David. So without Joseph for a father, and remember the fathers were the one that carried the lineage, without Joseph for a father, we couldn't say that Jesus comes from the line, the root of Jesse, the royal lineage of David. Without Joseph, it's a pretty tough case to make that Jesus is the Messiah that Israel had been waiting for and longing for. Again, I'm sure God could have found a way, but it really would have complicated things. And remember that Joseph, according to everything that he knew about God at the time, everything he understood God to be and God to have commanded, Joseph was doing the right thing by divorcing Mary and sending her away quietly. The righteous thing that lined up with God's will. You know, I'll bet his plans were already in place when he went to bed that night. I mean, a man like Joseph, I bet his plans were already in place. He probably had talked with his family, let them in on what's going on with Mary, He'd probably already written a letter to her family explaining everything. I bet it was really gracious. He'd probably already stopped all the work that he would have been doing to prepare for her arrival into his home. And I'm sure that he had put a halt on all the orders he had made for things for the marriage feast. And then he goes to sleep one night. And he has... A dream. A dream. A dream. I mean, in a dream, you can't even pinch yourself to tell yourself this is really happening. He has a dream. And in this dream, an angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him what is going on with Mary, tells him what God is up to, that this child is actually of the Holy Spirit. The child growing inside Mary is the promised Messiah. And this child will be named Jesus. God saves. And that he will save God's people from their sins. And that just like God spoke to the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years ago when Israel was in crisis and they needed to know that God had not left them, this child will fulfill all of those promises, born to a virgin and shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. It sounds amazing, right? It sounds incredible but as amazing as it is it still makes a mess out of Joseph's life. And if God is God in all and all that whole list of awesomeness that we have or the sticky note can't god work it out in a way that isn't so difficult for someone as righteous and good as joseph i had one of those moments this week that i was studying scripture and i had way too many books open all over my desk and different languages and trying to figure some stuff out and I had one of those moments that kind of chewed me up and spit me out where I was just laying there on my office floor like Jonah, newly hurled out of the mouth of a whale. Hmm. I've been there too, I've been there. Emmanuel. What, what we say means God with us and it does in English that is the most common way we would translate that sentence in in english because that's the way we construct our english sentences an english sentence Carolyn, we've got an english professor in the house right a good english sentence has a subject a verb and an object like this god being the subject and 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 the emphasis of the whole sentence with, actually, Carol Ann is a preposition, right? Technically, acting as a verb. Is that right? Yes? And then us would be the object. God with us. Beautiful sentence. Period. Done. Nicely done, right? It would be correctly done. But Emmanuel is a Hebrew word. And Hebrew doesn't play by all those same rules that English does. And and then the Hebrew word would be transliterated into Greek in the New Testament, but we'll just take it one language at a time. You see, in Hebrew, there were a lot of names that ended with L because L is the Hebrew word for God. And so it wasn't uncommon for a name like Emmanuel to end in L, Daniel, Samuel, Israel, But there are also plenty of names for God that begin with El, place the emphasis on God like El Shaddai, Elohim. But Emmanuel actually means with us God. And then in Matthew's Gospel, when it's being translated into Greek, taking this Hebrew word and sort of what we call transliterating it into Greek, and then Matthew actually explains it. Not only does he say Immanuel, the Hebrew word, he explains it. When he goes on to explain it, and Greek often places emphasis on a word by putting it at the beginning of the sentence, he explains to them that Immanuel means with us God, But for hundreds of years, in our English translations, to clean that up and to give the gospel better grammar, we have changed with us God to God with us. So I'm lying there on my office floor covered in whale saliva... Whew, trying to wrap my head around what for me, maybe not, but for me, was this huge shift in the way I'd understood that word. And, and even all of what happens at Advent and Christmas, I'm lying there and just began to pray, God, what does this mean? Who is it that you are showing us to be? And it occurred to me, what if? What if? Before God is God, God is with. Now hear me out. Before you go tweeting that or throwing tomatoes, calling me a heretic, hear me out. What if before any of our lists of what God ought to be, our sticky notes of all the things that God ought to do, Our expectations of what God should be doing, if God is God and all. What if before any of our lists about what God should be, God is just with us in relationship? What if God is this relational God, and before figuring out what kind of rocks God can or cannot lift, God just wants to be with us, in relationship with us, and that everything else that God is is filtered through the love that God has with and for us. And this is not just about the construction of one word in one sentence in one book of the Bible. It's the way that this name for Jesus makes sense of everything else that we know about God in the way that God has been revealed to us. After all, before the world existed, the Father was with the Son and the Father and Son were with the Holy Spirit. And then God creates through speaking, through communicating in relationship. And then God enters into covenant, formalizing this relationship with God's people. In fact, there is nothing in all of Scripture that we know about God that is apart from relationship. And I think sometimes that our lists of what God should be and what God should do assumes a God who lives in isolation. A God who is altogether untethered from relationships with messy human beings and the mess that sin has made in this world. A God who is only with us when it is the benevolent thing to do but is very far away when things get too complicated does your idea of God assume God is isolated from the messiness of relationship mine sometimes does we haven't done a great job decorating for Christmas this year We have not done a great job. We've got a tree up and stockings and all, but we still have some of those big plastic tubs that the Christmas decorations came in still just sort of lying around the living room. And we haven't put lights out in the front because I'm not sure if they all work, and it's really cold outside. And the kids are already very disappointed with our elf on the shelf this year because, I don't know about you, but I would much rather an elf who cleans up messes than makes them. So We just haven't done all the great, awesome, decorating Christmas things that we wanted to do this year, but our kids are at this age, this really awesome, fun age, where they have all this stuff that they want to do. They're in plays and auditions and band concerts, And then we've got family coming to visit and that's been wonderful and crazy and chaotic and lots of stuff happening with the church but you know what i bet my house could be on the cover of southern living christmas edition if it weren't for all the people that lived there well that's not true i'm not much of a decorator jennifer am i right i'm not much of a decorator i need friends like jennifer in my life i'm not much of a decorator but at least my home would be a lot prettier if it weren't for all the people with their schedules and their toys and their books and their shoes. So many shoes that never get put back where they're supposed to be. And if the people who wear those shoes didn't need to eat three times a day, oh, I would, I would have a lovely kitchen. Emmanuel, a with. Us, God, doesn't live in isolation. You know, this church building is beautiful. You know, I love this church building. It is so fun. We have people visit sometimes who come from other places far away and they walk in this sanctuary and they say, Man, this is, this is one of my favorite sanctuaries that I've ever been in. And I agree. This, this whole church building is an incredible, beautiful facility that we are so blessed to get to be in and be a part of. It's an incredible place, but you know, it could be a whole lot more beautiful if we didn't have to make room for after-school programs like Kid Power, or open gym night and community connection, or our, our friends with room in the inn, Treveca chapels, Metro Nashville public family days, bingo games and potlucks, and all of the feeding that goes on for people that need to eat three times a day. This church could be a whole lot more beautiful, but it just wouldn't look very much like our with us God. So Joseph hears the voice of an angel in a dream. God's messenger. God talking to Joseph in relationship. And God in that dream was with Joseph, and Joseph was with God. And then Joseph wakes up. Joseph wakes up and takes Mary as his wife, even though 12 hours earlier that was not the righteous thing to do even though 12 hours earlier he had a plan that would keep his life neat and tidy even though 12 hours earlier he knew that he knew who god was even though 12 hours earlier he was resolved in his plans to carry out the law of god But when morning comes, he wakes up and now he is committed to living in relationship with God. And all the tidiness of righteousness in all the world is not worth isolation from the messy plan that is growing inside of Mary. Emmanuel, with us, God perhaps one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received in my spiritual journey is meeting with a spiritual director. A a spiritual director, if that's a new term to you, is someone who knows the story of God deeply, knows the way that God has been at work in scripture and, and in church history, and who is trained in the skills of listening to another person's soul, to sitting with someone in their journey of spiritual growth and assisting them as they move closer to Christ. And you know, there were times in meeting with my spiritual director when I knew what I was going to do already. I had scheduled an appointment, a spiritual direction session to talk about something that was coming up, and I already knew what I was going to do. I just thought it would be a lot more holy if I talked to somebody about it first. (laughs) And so I came into these meetings and I knew what I was going to do. I knew what the right thing to do was. But in that gift of spiritual direction, someone sitting with me, creating space to hear from God and giving me permission to put down my assumptions about God, to put aside all of my lists of what God ought to do, and inviting me to walk in God's holiness and freedom, I changed my plans. I changed my plans and I changed my whole directions. And folks, we sometimes call that repentance. Reading the story this week, I realized that Joseph received spiritual direction from an angel. Whew! If I ever found the website of a spiritual director who listed among their credentials, angel sent by God, I would get on their waiting list. (laughs) That sounds really great. Although I have had some spiritual directors who have been quite angelic in my life. Joseph receives spiritual direction from an angel. He's open to hearing from God in a dream and not just hearing from God, but then changing his life plans based on what he heard God say. Joseph teaches us that righteousness is not what it is not about doing what we assume lines up with our ideas about God. It's being willing to actually change our lives when we meet with God. With us, God. And so today, here we are. It's one week until Christmas. It's one week until Christmas, which means for this week, it's still Advent, it's still this waiting season. I know last week, if you were worshiping with us, we had our big joyful week and we sang all of the Christmas songs and I'm sure you've eaten a few Christmas treats. You've had the Spotify playlist on Christmas music since November, but it's one week until Christmas. Are you ready to receive Emmanuel with us, God? A God who works and moves in the messiness of relationships and in the complexity of human hearts. A God who is with sinners in order to forgive sins. A God who risks vulnerability in order to love. Whether you are hearing about this God for the first time, or you think you've known this God all your life, what would it be like for you to receive spiritual direction? What would it be like to be open to spiritual direction, open to hear from God, even if it messed up some really crucial plans in your life? Even if it messed with your idea of righteousness. The with us God is inviting you today to draw near I know that this next week might be crazy for you or it might be lonely for you it might be exciting for you and it might be really grief stricken for you but I bet it's going to be full of a lot of things we still have this moment right now that you decided to come and be here part of this worship service Before we have to go out into all of the craziness, you have a moment to be aware of with us, God. And maybe even to open up your heart to receive some spiritual direction that might just change your life. So Pastor Tim is gonna come and he's gonna pray. And and if you just feel like you need to draw close to find a place to even kneel at one of these altars to seek the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life, If you want to come and kneel and pray, invite God's witness. Welcome it because God already is with us. So, Pastor Tim, would you come and lead us in prayer as we meet with this with us God?
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m., followed by service at 1030. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.